I marvel the condition of our country. Are you not burdened about this? The shootings in Dallas, and uh, I'm a big fan of police officers. And uh, if you're a police officer, I want you to know something. We support you one zillion percent. Would you stand if you're a police officer? You serve the law. Amen. <laughs> All of our police guys, they're on duty. They do security. <laughs> Wherever you are in the building, we love you, man. We appreciate you. But uh, I, I, I got thinking. I thought, you know, I'm going to this fall. I, I just want to have, I want to invite everybody from Cecil County and, and of all the police officers. And I'd just like to have one beautiful service just to honor them and, and to let them know that we are for the police. These guys sacrificed their life, and I, 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 worry, I worry about it. In fact, Keith's son's uh, in, is working to be a police officer, and I tell Keith all the time, I'm just worried about that. And uh, I, I worry a lot about these police officers. And uh, we live in a very dangerous, crazy time. And, uh, and so we just need to pray for our police. And I'd like just to do just every police officer that lives in Cecil County, bring them in here and let them know we love them, we're praying for them, we're praying for their protection. And I, I want to do that this fall. You think that's a good idea? Oh, I think it's good. And I thought about all those five wonderful policemen that, uh, that are, you know, have passed away and the, all the families that are grieving this morning. I, I think about in Orlando, the Orlando shooting of, uh, of all these people that were just shot and mowed down. And we're seeing, and it's almost, almost like a weekly thing. And uh, I know the anchor news, and they're talking all the time about what our country is unraveling. There's so much division, and there's so much hatred. And uh, they're, they're talking all the time about uh, blue lives uh, matter, and white lives matter, and black lives matter, and, and all the different. And the thing about it is every human life matters to God. And uh, it's not about just one group of people. It's about everyone. And uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm praying for our country, and I'm praying that God would just bring our country together. But really, this is, shouldn't surprise us, because we were warned in the 70s and in the 80s, when we went the way of humanism, when we told God to get out of the public schools and we kicked the Bible out, when we said, no longer can you post the Ten Commandments, and we said, that, that's an offense to people, we, when we begin to make decisions to rule God out of our government. When we said at Christmas time, we can't use the words Merry Christmas anymore because it offends the atheist. When we cannot even put out a manger scene anymore. And Christians, many times in our solitude, and our quietness, we just back up and we let them take our country over. This is a Christian nation. It was established on Christian principles. Men of God that stood and fought for our freedom and to, to, to basically put God number one. This is, a, this is a Christian nation. This is not a Muslim nation. This is, this is a Christian nation. And uh, I firmly believe that Christian people need to rise to the occasion. But, but we live in a very godless society. Because kids that grow up into the public school system, they don't know anything about God. They don't know anything about the Bible. We live in a very biblical, uh, biblically illiterate society. They, they couldn't tell you anything about the Bible and there is an absence of the presence of God. There's a verse in the Bible that says, the nation that forgets God shall be turned into what? Into hell. 
The Bible says there's a danger when a nation turns its back on the very God that gave its very life. There's a danger of its own destruction. And we're seeing the seeds of humanism today. Now, humanism is the worship of man, the worship of his pleasure, the worship of his ideas. It's the worship of of man. And somehow, humanism believes that there's a spark of deity in every human being, which is a lie from hell. We are a creation of God. We are created by God. And there's only one who is fully deity, and that is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And only he is the one that gives life. He is the only one that gives us the blessings in the land in which we live. I want to speak to you on today, and, and this is a very prevalent thing even in churches. As a pastor, I see people who live very profane lives. Now, the word profane is a is a different word. We don't use it in our vocabulary today, but the word profane means godless. Doesn't mean they're a murderer, doesn't mean they're a thief, but basically they have learned to live without God. And they prefer to to do their own thing. They don't want to be submitted to the Bible. They don't want to be submitted to the, the, the laws of the Word of God. They don't want to come to a church service and take up their Sunday morning time and be submitted to someone preaching the authority of God or the king, they just don't want to hear that because they don't want to feel guilty. They don't want to feel obligated. They don't want any other authority in their life. They want to be their own base of authority. They want to do what they want to do to please themselves. They are what we call godless people without a God consciousness in their hearts and life. There was a man in the Bible named Esau. The Bible says he was very profane. He was godless. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16 and 17, this is what the Bible says. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright, for you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Here's a man who lived his life without God, and at the end, he suffered the ultimate consequence. You may be surprised if I tell you that not all godless people are really all bad people. Uh, In fact, we're seeing that in our country. There's a lot of good people, law-abiding people, but, but godless people are everywhere in our society. They just don't want to commit their lives to God for some reason. They consider to be a freelance soul as an advantage. In fact, godless people consider themselves a very practical people. Uh, They have more time for themselves since they don't have to attend church or to hear the word of God. The Bible tells a believer, if we're going to live this life, we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves. It's important to keep church. The the first day of the week is is God's day. That's the day God has called us together as believers to, to hear the instruction of the word of God, to give us the motivation to keep God the center of our life, to keep the, the principles of God's word in front of the paths of our feet so we can be uh, children of God that walk in the kingdom of light. In fact, uh, 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 they think they have freedom because they don't believe that God will judge them. Somehow they feel exempt. Uh, And they don't realize that every man, a lost man and a saved man, is going to be judged by God. Now, a lost man is going to experience the full judgment of his sin. 
He, that's what the great, uh, the great white throne judgment is all about. Every man that has ever existed who's never received Jesus Christ, who's prided himself in being a good person without the blood of Jesus, will one day have to stand in judgment. And there is what we call the great uh, white throne judgment, and they will stand in their sin, and the ultimate judgment is condemnation to the lake of fire. I don't know about you, but I believe the Bible. Do you believe the Bible? A saved person will not experience the judgment of God for their sin because Jesus judged their sin at the cross. But God will judge our works. He watches what we do. He, he records. That's why he says in the rapture, when he comes, I come low with the volume of books. In other words, everything that we do, when we pray, when we give, when we serve the Lord, when we're faithful, God is just to reward us for all of the works that we do in the name of the Lord. So there are two radical different kinds of judgments. But there are people who don't need the Lord and not interested in spiritual things. They just reject it and say, hey, I am my own God and I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to live my own life. They live in a realm of constant danger. They're free to enjoy every pleasure in life with no conscience to bother them. If they commit anything morally wrong, if being godless is an advantage, then why should they find a need to believe in God? Why should we surrender our life to a God and obey his word and to to do his will that would radically shape the very direction of our life. Now, today in the scripture, there are several things I want to look at the life of this man named Esau. Esau was a twin. His other brother was Jacob. It's an interesting place in the, in the Bible because God says, Esau have I hated and Jacob have I loved. And it wasn't that he hated the soul, it was he hated his life. He hated his lifestyle. He hated him because as far as Esau was concerned, He found no interest in spiritual things. In this day and time, I've witnessed to people, talked to people, talked to several this week, and I could tell no interest. No interest in the Bible, no interest in God. As far as they're concerned, it would crowd their lifestyle. They're not a bit interested because it will interrupt the good party time that they're having in life. So therefore, they keep all those things at bay. But then there are people There are people out there that have this vacuum in their soul and their spirit, and they have this sense that there's something more to life than what's here in this world, but there there is another world to come and that there is a creator, and they look around and they have this sense that there is a God that's going to hold us accountable. And there's a group of people, thank God, who are drawn to the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they heard that they cannot get to heaven on, the, on their own merit, and they heard that they couldn't get to heaven on any good works on their own, but they realized that Jesus loved them in spite of the fact that they were sinners and stained with sin. He loved them despite of their waywardness. And if they would just come to him and realize that what he did 2,000 years ago was the greatest gift to all mankind, and that is to, to forgive them of all of their sins, and if they'll come and confess him as Lord and Savior and trust him, they can receive eternal life and be born again in the family of God. Thank God for those who trust Christ as Savior. Now, there are three, uh, four reasons, four, four points. That's unusual, isn't it? Four points I want to share with you this morning quickly about why we need God this morning. We need God in our country, amen? Christians, for those 
in this land that have forsaken God, we need, to, we need to stand in the hedge. We need to come up and we need to pray that God would open their eyes. We need to pray for the leaders in this land that they would come together and say, it's not about fighting guns. It's not about fighting this group and that. We need to come together and realize what we need in this land is a revival, a turning back to the God that can bring us back together as a nation. Now, the first reason why we need God is we need divine protection and direction. We're seeing this horror in our land of people getting shot and killed because you know what? The more we continue down this path of sin, the more of God's protection is being lifted from this land. We're becoming a very vulnerable people. 911, we saw how these towers were struck, and we just we, we begin to see that we're becoming vulnerable because we've, we were leaving the very God that gives us protection. We need God. We need His protection upon us. We need God's help. And number, the second reason why we need God is we need divine wisdom in this crazy world. We need wisdom in making the right decisions. Some of us make bad decisions in our family life. We make bad decisions in our career. We make bad decisions that are very harmful. And the, the Bible teaches us that, that, that when we follow God, God gives us wisdom. Esau was a guy who, who was profane, godless, and he didn't live by any biblical principle. And he got out there on his own and made some really stupid choices. And the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 16, and Esau, for, who for one morsel of meat, he sold out his birthright. There was a spiritual blessing connected to that. But he, he gave it all away because he was hungry for the moment. We live in a society that... I want pleasure now. I want to be happy now. I want to be satisfied now. And they'll sell anything out just for the sake of their own pleasing or their own happiness. Esau chose the wrong priority, lacked the wisdom of God. He was interested only in what he could satisfy for the longing of his flesh. He cared only for his own personal appetite and not for the things that would please him. And a light that is built on personal opinion and selfish passion and perception will only lead you away from wisdom. It'll lead you away from sound principles of a blessed life. I've seen people that, that, uh, who are very godless, and I've seen Christian people who claim to be Christians live very godless lives, and they wreck and destroy their life because of making poor decisions that are not based upon the Bible. You need the Bible. You need the Word of God. You say, well, it's a boring book. That's what the devil has told you. That's a lie. The Bible is a fantastic book. It's filled with biblical principles for us to follow. God wants us to apply these principles. He wants us to be Bible students. We want to have this sense of we know what is right and wrong, not based on personal opinion, but based upon the Word of God. That's the foundation of a good life. And when a person knows the word of God and they apply the biblical principles of righteousness in their life, they're going to be a blessed person. Esau was well content to take this world and all of the vain philosophies of this world and didn't believe that there was any other. Esau is a picture of a person who chooses the wrong course in life. I've seen people walk out on their faithful partners. I've seen people make poor choices and uh, that, that, that only reflected poor character, th their poor character that devastated the lives of kids and families, and how important it is for us to live the kind of life that pleases God. I don't know about you, but I don't have that much time in this world, and I'm not going to throw away my life into a life of ungodliness and unrighteousness where I know it's going to destroy me. Listen, 
I, I, I'm 61 years old, and I, I hope the Lord lets me live to be 100. I really do. My dad's going to be 95 in October. He goes, well, if I can do it, you can do it. Like, well, if I can get all the healthy you do, I, I can imagine that. But uh, this man, this man Esau, he was the kind of guy that threw it all to the wind, and he lived a very reckless life, and he did not regard any principles of righteousness in his life. In my life, my prayer is, God, help me to walk circumspectly. The word circumspectly refers to a person walking on a picket fence, knowing there's a bulldog on the left and a bulldog on the right. Help me to walk in the paths of righteousness carefully. Help me to do what is right. Help me to think right, act right, speak right. Help me to do all those things that please you. And the third thing I want you to look at, the third reason why we need God is we need the divine promise of a future home in glory. The person who dedicates themselves to, to become a follower of Jesus Christ, to them they will inherit the kingdom of God. It's a wonderful thing to, to call Jesus Lord of your life and actually follow through what you claim him to be in your life. Hebrews 12, 17, Esau said afterward, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. He threw out his spiritual blessing for the sake of physical need. He traded his eternal inheritance for temporary pleasure. He fed the hunger of his flesh, but he ignored the longing and the need of his soul. A man throws away his divine inheritance when he throws away his hope of eternity. One of the most glorious things you're only here for a very short time. We saw that with the Hollenball family. That was a lesson. There's a verse in the Bible, and I thought about that, Pam, when we were at your house. The Bible says, Solomon, the wisest man, says, greater lessons are learned in the house of mourning than in the house of feasting. You learn more about what's really important in life in the house of mourning. When you're going through grief, you realize really what is important. For what is your life that is a vapor that appeareth for a little while and vanishes away? My friends, we're heading toward the kingdom of God. It is worth it to discipline yourself and to kill the passions of the old flesh and live for the glory of God and surrender to the Holy Spirit and to do what is right. It is worth it because ultimately heaven will be a glorious place for you. Mark 8, 36 says, What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his own soul? We need a divine promise of a future home in heaven. Glory waits for those who call themselves Christians, many Christ, who follow Christ, who imitate Christ, who become followers of the principles of the word of God. And that's why there's going to be so many shocked at the, at, at the judgment seat. There are going to be people saying, well, I went to church. I was a member of a church. I gave an offering. I, I even participated. I helped do work around the building. And I, I did. God says, get away from me. I never knew you. You say, what happened? Because somewhere in their heart, they never really yielded to the lordship of Jesus. They never became a follower of Christ. They just basically were religious, but never decided in their life that they were going to be a devout follower of Jesus. Let me ask you something. Are you playing church? Because let me tell you something. You're playing a very dangerous game. I, I want to ask you a question. Have you come to the place where you have opened your heart and received Jesus Christ and committed your life to follow him? Jesus says, I hear those who hear my voice. I see those who hear my voice. And then number four, we need God because we need divine peace and joy in life. 
I look at the world today and I'm thinking, wow, there's a lot of turmoil. I look around, I see people and I see their lives just ransacked, ripped and torn apart that Satan has got a hold of. And I think to myself, I'm glad I have the Lord. Now, one thing I've noted about, noticed about the Holland Ball family, I have noticed, in fact, Keith and I mentioned it this morning, the grace of God. Even though their hearts are broken, they still have this undergirding peace that they'll see Ken again. They have this undergirding peace that God is in control. They have this undergirding peace that they're all marching into heaven and that all is well, all is good. The peace of God that passes all human understanding. We need God because we need joy in this life. Amen? Without God, there is no joy. There is no peace. People who choose to live their life without God are prone to make the wrong decisions, which will ultimately lead them into a life of conflict and emotional consequences of sin. A godless life sends many people to jail. A godless life creates broken families. A godless life makes broken dreams and ruined lives. A godless life makes your heart empty and, and always longing for something that can satisfy the secret hunger of your soul. Furthermore, a godless life makes cruel presidents, wrong presidents, wrong rulers. A godless life creates bad leaders who lead without biblical principles. A godless life brings suffering to families, churches, and community, and many suffer from the effects of a godless life. You may push yourself through life without the presence of God, but you're just chasing the wind. And despite all the human effort to make your life work, you're still empty on the inside. And there's no true, real satisfaction with God. I tell people who are getting married or people who are married or people who are walking through this journey of life, if you don't keep God the focus of your heart, if you don't keep him as the, as the God or the source of happiness and peace in your life, you will find that you will drift and wander far in places of destruction Why should I need God? I need God because I cannot manage my life alone. I need someone who's smarter than me. Amen. I need God because my knowledge is inadequate. I need somebody who is wiser than me. My perception of life is limited. I need somebody who knows the future that I don't know. My own doing makes my life miserable. I need somebody who can make and create a solution to help me out of my troubles. People don't need to commit murder. They don't need to commit adultery or become a thief to become godless. Many people become godless by default. They just ignore God. Why? Because people who choose to fly solo without God are left to themselves without even a prayer. A life without God is what we call a profane life. And you can call yourself Label yourself a Christian all you want, but a person who really is a God-centered believer is a person who's made up their mind they're going to follow him in every aspect of their life. People love their pleasures more than they love God. There are people in this society today would rather party than to pray. But later at the end of their life, after their life has been spent, after the party has taken its toll, they hope to find themselves some kind of reservation for them in heaven. And still, ultimately, at the end, there are people, yes, even church people, who still ignore God. 
I like what John 1.11 says. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. I like what John 1.12 says. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Our country needs God. Do you believe that today? We got to return back to God. But you know what? Judgment begins in the house of God. Churches need to return to God. People need to turn to God. Our country needs prayer. This land of America If it ever needed the church to be the salt of the earth, it's now. If the church cannot pray for the presence of God and the power of God in this land to turn the hearts of men, we are a doomed people. And what's important is not just hearing a good sermon, but rather a deep abiding conviction that we need God to be in the center of this land. And my plea to you today... If you are a true believer and a follower of Jesus and you love the Lord and you love this land called America, then I'm calling you to a place of prayer. I'm calling you to a place of prayer, to pray corporately as the body of Christ. And what I'm going to ask you to do this morning, this land is in critical place. I want crossroads. I don't know what other churches are doing. I, 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 I can't keep, all I know is I know what this church needs to be doing. And this church can change the direction of America because I believe two or three people who are called together in the Lord's name, the Lord hears that prayer and God can move his hand of blessing back on this land and God's protection on this land. If my people, if, if my people will humble themselves, if my people will pray, let's stand. With heads bowed and eyes are closed. America needs needs you. We've had a lot of bad rulers that ruled God out. We've had a lot of people in the Supreme Court that say, I'd rather destroy babies. I'd rather kick the Ten Commandments out to the curb, throw prayer out, throw the Bible out, and we live in a very godless society of people. No one's conscious about God. The only hope for America is for the believers to come forward and pray. And I'm asking you at this time, I want you to come forward and say, preacher, I'm a believer. I'm a follower of Christ. I'm concerned for this country. I'm concerned about my grandchildren. I'm concerned about my children. I'm concerned about the safety and the financial security of the country. I'm willing to pray, pray earnestly that God would protect this land of America. We're in trouble. We're unraveling everywhere. Would we pray? Pray that God would spare this great land of America that we would pray. And I'm going to do a prayer, and I want you to pray with me. Pray with me. That's one thing we can do is pray. One thing. Listen, that is the only, that is the greatest, the most powerful thing that we can do in this land. Right now, there are hundreds of people here at this altar, hundreds of people right here. And my friend, two people can change a nation. Oh, but what can a hundred people do in praying to God? I want you to pray with me. I'm going to pray this prayer, and I want you to pray it out loud. Don't pray it with a faint heart. Pray it with a a fervent spirit. I want you to pray this prayer out loud. Pray it where you're standing. Say this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, save this great land. May the Holy Spirit open the eyes of those that are darkened. 
please, Lord, protect this great land. Our forefathers died for the freedom. Protect us from ISIS. Protect us from evil men who are empowered by the devil. Give us the Holy Ghost protection again. Protect our grandchildren. Protect our babies. And old land, we confess our sin. We ask that you'd wash us now in Jesus' name. And now, Lord, I pray, save this land called America. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. Turn to someone and say, I believe God just heard my prayer. Can you do that? Tell someone, God just heard my prayer. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you very much. Uh, And speaking on behalf of the law enforcement community, we appreciate everyone's support. It does mean a great deal to all those that serve. So listen, uh, don't forget, if you're a first-time guest here, we are so glad that you chose to come here today. So as you go out the doors, venture off to the left uh, over by where the banner's at and meet some of our pastoral staff. Uh, And please fill out that card. We'd love to connect with you. Uh, And just thank you for coming here today. Uh, So let's worship the Lord one more time this morning. Aren't you glad you're a friend of God? Aren't you glad that he calls you friend? What an amazing thing, huh? Who am I that you are mindful of me? That you hear me? When I call Is it true that you are thinking of me How you love me It's amazing I am a friend of God I am a friend of God